You are listening to Journey Christian Church Podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at journeycc.net. Today's message is brought to you by Josh Stone. We hope you enjoy. Hey, welcome this morning, everyone. My name is Josh, and I lead our student ministry here at Journey. Let me just pray for us as we enter into the Word this morning. Lord, I pray that as we continue our worship and look to your Word and and hear your Word, Lord, that you would speak um, to each of us, uh, that your words would stick uh, and my words would, would roll off. Lord, we pray that you would be with us and help us to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, my name is Josh, and I just want to welcome you this morning, whether you're online or in person, happy to get to worship with you. And we're in this series called Habits, and we're looking through the book of Malachi, uh, different parts that are, that are important for how we develop habits and maintain those. And um, as I think about habits, I try to figure out, you know, well, why am I doing them, and what habits am I doing? Has anyone been working on habits lately as we've been going through this series? Anyone? Any any habits, particular habits you've been working on? Can you shout them out or type them in? Anything? Intentional habits, okay. Any any other habits? Healthy eating, okay. Well, we got two things, Scott. So good job so far. No. <laughs> I have to say, one of my the habits that I'm the best at is the habit of forgetting to do my other habits. Is anyone there with me? Today we're talking about the habit of togetherness, and I'm not sure if that's a word, but we're going to roll with it. Uh, I believe that that is the core of what this passage we're going to look like, we're going to look at, and Malachi talks about is this habit of togetherness. Um, if you don't have a Bible, we have some Bibles in the back. We also have these little communion elements that you can grab. I encourage you to go grab one right now if you don't have that. Um, Also, for those at home, you can go ahead and grab your communion elements. We're going to get to communion at the end of the message, so feel free to be prepared with that now. Uh, We're going to be, like I said, in the book of Malachi, which is the end of the Old Testament, uh, right before the New Testament starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So you can go ahead and find that in your Bibles or on your phone. Malachi is the last of the prophets that we hear before uh, we get to the New Testament, and there's an age of silence after God speaks through him. And as, like I said, we talk, we will see today is the importance of togetherness as a habit. One question that I feel like I ask a lot when it comes to habits is, does what I'm doing matter? Does this really matter? I don't know if you feel that way, but I need to know that something is worth my time, worth the commitment, worth the sacrifice. I think we ask that of lots of things, but also the people in Malachi's time, as we'll see, were asking, I believe, the same question. Does what I'm doing matter? In fact, they were asking that of God. Does me following God, does following his path really matter? So we're going to be in Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 13. We're going to see two different groups of people here. Let's look at the first. Verse 13, Malachi 3.13. You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said it is futile to serve, the, to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper, and even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. 
Why does it matter if I follow God if that's the way that things go? And then there's a different group here. Verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. And the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. What you do does matter, what he's saying. And the action that we see here, the habit of togetherness is there in verse 16. It says, when those who feared the Lord talked with each other. Now, this wasn't just, I don't believe, just a a singular moment for these people of talking together. And we don't even get to see exactly what they spoke together about. But it can be surmised that from just the passage before that it was the opposite of the other group. It was opposite than speaking arrogantly against God. It was speaking the truth of God in the situation, the truth of who he is what he does and who we are in comparison to that. And so this habit of togetherness involves speaking truth about God, but it's not just a group of Christians sitting around together, waxing poetic, saying all these nice things about God. I think it's something a little bit more than that. Something that just, than just a one-time thing, something more than just a one-time thing. I mean, think of the context for Israel. We think all the way back, Israel was a, was a nation that was began by God through Abraham. As they, as they grew, they eventually became slaves in Egypt, and God rescued them out of Egypt. He led them through wilderness, delivered them to a promised land, went through great trouble, and they received the blessing, they received the promise. But while they were there for centuries, there was this cycle of them loving God and then turning away towards idols. And choosing his path and saying, yes, it's worth it, and choosing a different path, saying, no, it's not. And so God being just, he created the consequences for them. Twice, different groups of Israel were exiled out of the land of promise into into Babylon, into Assyria. They lost what God had given them. But then where we find ourselves now in the book of Malachi is that is, there's a remnant that's been brought back to the promised land to rebuild the temple, to reestablish a life with God. But as these people were there, they realized, hey, we're still surrounded by our enemies. There's still things that aren't the way that they should be. We haven't gone back to normal. Anyone know what that's like? Is what we're doing really worth it? Does it really matter? Maybe we should just fit in. Maybe we should just change the way we've been doing things because it's still not the way we expect. But then it says there were some there who still respected and loved, trusted God. There were some there who would gather and speak together. I, I, I can't help but imagine that this was a habit that was formed deep within this group of people. Because when difficulty comes, 
Everything that's not a habit usually just goes out the window. But look at this text in 16 and 8 through 18 again. It says that whatever they said, whatever they talked about, the Lord listened and heard. It's like he heard it and he heard it again. <laughs> no, he heard it and he, res- he s- responded to it. There's a response from God. He actually wrote it down so it could be remembered for the ages. It was an important act. It wasn't just, a, it couldn't have just been a one-time act. It had to be something that was deep because it says even that God called them because of this, his treasured possession. Like a loyal child. You know, there's lots of stuff that we get together and talk about. Whether it's any, any purpose to it or not, we talk about fun things, right? We talk about meaningless things. We also get together uh, and we do things without any purpose. Go over to a friend's house, hang out. Go and do whatever it is is in our routine without any purpose. Yet there's also important things that we do, important purposeful things that we do, but we often do it by ourselves. Is that right? It's clear that from what these people had experienced and what they had done, that they were committed to two very important things. They were committed to each other, and they were committed to God. This was something that was to be noted for the ages. They feared God, cared for one another. They spoke about the truth of God, even in the middle of divisive, dangerous, challenging times. See, for the Christ follower, this habit of togetherness, it looks like intentional relationships that are centered around Jesus. Intentional relationships centered around Jesus. Jesus. And this can be lived out in so many ways. For Israel here, it was simply gathering together and speaking the truth in this challenging time. We'll talk more about what it can look like, but they spoke the truth about God and the circumstances they were in, even though their neighbors were rejecting it and saying something different. And I think it's an important question to ask is, how do I make this habit Or how do I make it a habit to center my relationships around Jesus? Sounds kind of like a difficult thing to do. Because see, there's usually two two things that we do. We're either on one side or the other. So either a one or a two. So get ready. In in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to put up a one or a two for which one you are. Type it in the chat. So one, on the one hand, there's those people, those of us who have relationships, but there's no Jesus to bring into it. Or we have relationships, we hang out with even Christians, but we don't bring Jesus into the conversation because Jesus stays at church. Or Jesus stays in the small group or in the Bible study or in the youth group or or Sunday morning. So we have relationships, but Jesus doesn't come in. That's a one. And a two is someone who has Jesus. You know, I study the Bible, I pray, but it's all for me. This isn't something that I bring other people into, or I don't have any other relationships to bring into mind with Jesus. So what are you? On the count of three, a one or a two? One, two, three. Sometimes I feel like both. Thank you for being honest. You guys are so much more honest than the first group. Uh, vulnerable. I don't know. They could have been honest. They didn't put up any numbers, but I appreciate that. Vulnerability is an important part of this togetherness. We'll see later. It's difficult, but we need both. 
We can't be satisfied with one or the other. It's twofold. If we're ever going to face the challenges that come, if we're ever going to um, be able to fight against the perspectives or be able to, to know the truth in difficult times, if we ever want to be part of God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven, we have to have both. We have to have this habit of togetherness. So let's talk about why togetherness is important. Togetherness is something that must be learned like all important things. It must be learned. I know some make it look easy. I'll tell you right now, for me, togetherness is not easy. Something that I've had to learn and something that I still don't always do. So togetherness is important because what it does when you're together, when you're orienting your relationships around Jesus, is that it helps us see and trust God more clearly in the chaos. When you practice togetherness, it brings clarity in the chaos. I'll give you an example. Uh, For those of you sci-fi buffs out there or fantasy, maybe you've seen Lord of the Rings. Anyone see Lord of the Rings or read? Anyone read Lord of the Rings? Yes, good job. I got to read it in high school. Uh, Great books. Lord of the Rings, for those of you who don't know, is uh, it's about a protagonist named Frodo who gets this mission and he must destroy the one ring, the one evil magical ring that's bringing death and destruction to all of Middle Earth. He has to go through battles and he has to find his way over wilderness and he has to get to the mountain to throw the ring into the fire and destroy it. And he has friends along the way that help him. And one important friend is Samwise Gamgee, his best friend, his companion who's always there. And then this particular part of the story, they're alone in the middle of a battle. This battle is happening all around them. They're being hunted down and they're hoping that they've gone unnoticed. But the weight of the quest, the mission that they're on, it's heavy. They're exhausted. They're just ready to be done. You felt that way? Maybe you feel that way right now about something. Maybe about a lot of things. So I'm going to read part of, of their, their dialogue that's actually taken from the movie. It's a bit more concise. Hopefully I don't butcher it too bad. Uh, didn't want to get into any copyright issues by showing it for you guys. So, all right. So this is how it goes. And, and I think Sam does a great job in just exemplifying why togetherness is so helpful, how it brings clarity in the chaos. Remember, they're in the middle of a battle and they're ready to give up. Frodo says to Sam, I can't do this, Sam. Sam replies, I know. It's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here, but we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really matter." Full of darkness and danger they were, and sometimes you didn't want to know the end. Because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you. That meant something. 
even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. Because they were holding on to something. What are we holding on to, Sam? There's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. And see, Frodo is ready to give up. He's questioning, is this worth it? Does what I do really matter? And what does Sam do? He brings perspective to the situation. He's there with him in the moment and he speaks some truth to him. You're able to see that there is still good left in the world and it's worth fighting. And you see, when we look at these people, the Israelites in Malachi, they too are given a perspective, some truth of what needs to happen, what's going to happen, what God is going to do. And we see that in chapter 4, verse 1. So go to that and follow along as you read with me. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Surely the day is coming. You know, the Israelites were asking, Is this all worth it? Should I even worry about doing this? No justice happened. Things aren't right here. God's saying, Yes, things are going to be right. This is what it is. Chapter 4, verse 1 Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And the day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. Now that sounds really harsh, right? What he's talking about is justice will be done. Is there evil in the world? Does evil need to be righted? Does it need to be stopped? That's what God is saying that he will. He continues, verse 2, he says, But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness will rise with healing in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. I don't know if any of you are farmers or you've seen that. It's amazing. They're cute. They're full of freedom and joy. Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet. And on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty things will be made right. Even if right now it doesn't feel like things are right, even if right now in your own perspective it seems like everything is just chaos, things will be made right. Maybe you need to hear that today. Maybe you need to hear that, yes, God will be bringing justice. He will be bringing righteousness. He will be bringing healing and freedom and joy into this world fully. Let me be real for a second, and the past couple months have been really tough on me. In July, a month and a half ago, my family and I all got COVID. There were no critical symptoms, thankfully. But of course, on the outset, it's be fearful and give you anxiety, and it definitely made life difficult and some plans for ministry had to be stopped because of it. My wife should have been just getting ready to get everything ready for her classroom. She's a fifth grade teacher and that had to be put on pause, which mean, meant that she had to go into work extra long and, and extra late. 
to get ready for the school year, which caused extra stress and anxiety and exhaustion, right? At that time too, or maybe just before I had been hurt by a really dear friend of mine. My shoulder, my neck, <laughs> they've been starting to hurt again. I have some messed up stuff. And I don't share this because I need pity or anything like that. It's just because maybe you're feeling some of this too. I even became a little disappointed in myself in shortcomings that I had. Should be better than what I am, shouldn't I? And if I was left to my own thoughts, if I was left just inside of that chaos that was swirling around me and those voices in my head, it wouldn't be extremely easy to just say, you know what? It doesn't feel like any of this is worth it. I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm not going to worry about the difficulties or trudging through the challenges. Why even pray? Why even try? Why even push through the, the difficulty? Well, we're going to talk about in a minute, the importance of togetherness of what it was for me. But maybe you're in that spot right now. You're asking, does what I need really, or what, does what I do really matter? Maybe you're in that moment of the chaos where it just seems it's all around you. I want you to think, what, why do you need this togetherness? Why do you need help getting clarity in the chaos? What is that right now for you? Is it family? Is it a relationship? Is it work? Is it finances? Is it school? Is it a struggle? Is it a habits not going your way or bad habits or no habits? Is it all the above? We need to be clear on what that is because we all need this, don't we? We all need this kind of togetherness. We need perspective. This helps turns us back and orient the truth. So how do we, how do we practice togetherness together? Well, what I, what I learned was that there's a few different characteristics that were really helpful, things to value, things to work on, things to grow in. Not to say that I've got there on any of these fully, but they're helpful. And first, we talked about vulnerability, right? If you want to learn togetherness, you have to be willing to be vulnerable, you have to be willing to hear and remember the truth and even speak the truth, even when it hurts, even when it's difficult. You have to be committed. You have to be committed to each other, committed to God, committed to his mission. And last, humility. Humility is huge. You have to be willing to say, I don't have all the answers. So for me... For me, I had to be vulnerable with my wife. I had to say, hey, this is what I'm feeling. I, I feel like I am just failing at everything. I can take that step of vulnerability. I had to be committed to, to maintain certain relationships and even meetings that I had where I was able to meet with a couple friends during this time. And even though I wanted to just Say, oh, you know, I'm not feeling up for it. Can we just do it next, next week or next month? Anyone, anyone ever do that? You're not feeling it? All right, well, let's just meet next month. I'm not, I'm not feeling really great. 
That's when we need it most. I'm not really feeling it. I'll go to youth group, you know, in a couple weeks. I'm not really feeling it. You know, they don't want me serving at church today. Or I'm not really feeling it. So I'm, you know, when I get things together, then I'll, I'll go back to my community group. But we have to stay committed and you also have to be humble. I had to be humble to receive the truth from others. I had to be humble to listen to the truth that God was telling me and not say that I had all the answers. I had to be humble to listen, to receive, to engage with that truth and realize that I, not just the way that I see it. At the end of this passage, Malachi chapter four, verse four through six, I believe we're given a an idea of what this looks like together and how we do this. How do we help each other orient back to Jesus? How do we bring clarity to the chaos? You're going to see that there's kind of two or threefold here. In verse, chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Remember the law of my servant Moses. This is Malachi is ending the whole book this way. The whole Old Testament ends this way. It says, You're in the thick of it. It's not how you think things should be. He says, remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and the laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. The laws of Moses are the first five books of the Bible. Matthew, or Matthew, Mark, John. No, that's the New Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Okay? Genesis talks about why God created us, what he created us for, what life was for. And then the rest talks about how God, what God did for Israel, how he loves them, how he cared for them, how he brought them up and showed them the right way to live. He's saying, remember who God is, what he's done, and who he has called you to be. This is what we do when we're practice togetherness. We need to help others remember who God is and who he called them to be. Verse 5 says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord come. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of their children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Instead of looking back now, he says, also look forward. When he says, when he mentions the prophet Elijah, he's signaling John the Baptist, clearing the way for Jesus to come that there will be a day when I come and make things right. Now, there's still even today a day that we look forward to when God will be making everything right and everything completely new. Notice he says that he will turn the hearts of their parents to their children. He's talking about heart change. He's talking about transformation. He's saying, I know you can't do it on your own right now. But let me help you. Let me change you. Let me transform you. I have goodness in store for you. So we must look backward and we must look forward. Let me be perfectly clear about this habit of togetherness, what it's not. It's not just the Christian developing good friendships or getting wise counsel. It's not even just about having friends and doing stuff together. The habit of togetherness, it rises and falls with your complete commitment and dependent on, dependence on Jesus. It rises and falls with your commitment to Jesus. 
So hear me, it's not a magic formula for success. It's not saying, you guys, we can do anything together if we believe it. Togetherness, it isn't about fixing the world's problems. When you really practice togetherness, it clears the way for Christ's kingdom to be realized. It clears the way of the chaos for you to have clarity of what God is doing here and wants to do here. It clears the way for you to be used by God. It clears the way for God to work in your life. And what this looks like for a faithful group of Jesus followers is hopefully it looks like not just something that we do here on Sunday morning or in a Bible study even, but it's something that happens in everyday life. Thousands of little ordinary moments where in our relationships, we help orient each other back to Jesus to see the truth. This brings us together and it brings our salvation in Christ to relevance every day. I challenge us all to not neglect the importance of others that are here in this room. And don't diminish your own importance here to this body. You know, when we choose to be absent, we neglect this habit. When, when we follow, when, when we allow fear to silence us or busyness to control us or our pride to exclude us or others out of a situation, we're neglecting this habit of togetherness. And I know that we live in America and it's supposed to be, well, my faith is your own, whatever that means. No one else has, but it's not true. You see, you were bought with a price through Christ and you are part of a royal priesthood. You heard that before? You are also part of the body of Christ. And even though you are unique, you are one part. That God wants to work through all of us together to bring his love and his goodness, his grace, his transformation into the world. So don't be selfish with that. Please, we need each other. We need God through each of us. We must take time to slow down. We, we, we need to create and maintain this habit. We need to create rhythms of meeting regularly together with others, purposefully, so that we can speak together, whether that's in a Bible study or whether that is a community group. Maybe that's just getting coffee with a friend to talk about life and talk about Jesus, whatever that is. We need to have some of those intentional rhythms placed in our lives. But we also need to be intentional to figure out, hey, how do I bring Jesus into all those other areas in my life? How do I bring Jesus into those moments where I'm cooking dinner for my family? How do I bring Jesus into those moments where I'm getting the kids ready for bed? How do I bring Jesus into the moments where I'm playing video games, when I'm driving, when I'm working, when I'm in class, when I'm doing homework, when I am so frustrated that I have nothing else to do? How do I bring Jesus into those moments when I'm just hanging out with friends? How do I bring Jesus together with other people in those moments? We need to be intentional. Now, it's not about just always preaching to everyone that you see. <laughs> but it involves listening. It involves caring. It involves seeing the real perspective and helping others see it too. So where are you going? Where do you find yourself? Where does this habit need to grow in your life? I want us to practice this together as we close.
You see, Jesus began a habit like this with his disciples. The night that he was betrayed, just before he was crucified, you have your communion elements. Go ahead and make all the noise, and you can open them up now. You're online. Go ahead and go run and get your, your water and crackers or whatever you use. Coffee and gummy bears. I don't know. Don't take it yet. We'll take it together in just a moment. I encourage you to keep your eyes open. Keep your heads up while we do this. You see, we remember when we take communion that Jesus died and rose for us. That he is the promise from the past that was made real in the present that leads on into the future. And we remember this and want us to remember that Jesus did this at a dinner table with his disciples. A very common place, not a temple, not a church. And he used common elements. He used bread and wine, something that was eaten every day. And it was with common people. It was with his friends and brothers. See, this is a habit of togetherness that is oriented towards Jesus. And though it's sacred, it ought to be common. Amen? This isn't just you and him right now. It's us and Jesus together. Consider his commitment to his disciples that night, his commitment to us today. How does that move us into greater commitment? What are some common ways besides just communion that we can be making together this happen? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23, Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. Then this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. Whenever you drink it. In remembrance this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Lord, we thank you today. We praise you as we look back at your crucifixion and your resurrection. We praise you as we look forward to that day when we will get to take these elements with you. We praise you for the place that you've brought us in the present with all these people together. Lord, we pray that you teach us, that you grow us, that you encourage us to not just grow in ourselves, but grow with one another. Lord, we pray that you would be in and among us, that you would help us see clearly through the chaos. God, embolden us, change us, 
your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Journey Christian Church Podcast. If you would like to support us as we pursue God and love people one at a time, please consider a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeycc.net slash giving.